Welcome, and thank you for joining us today on the Fraser Valley Lifestyle Podcast with local realtor and Fraser Valley Lifestyle publisher, Mike Wilson, and me, your host, Rod Jans. Both Mike and I are longtime residents of the Fraser Valley. It's where we work and play and where we raised our now grown-up children. The Fraser Valley Lifestyle blog and podcast supports local business by sharing their events and providing brand awareness. For more, go to fvlifestyle.com. That's fvlifestyle.com. For notes from today's episode, articles on what's happening in the Fraser Valley, and more. Now please join us as we welcome our guest for today's episode, Rachel Bolangaro, owner of the Fraser Valley Cider Company. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fraser Valley Lifestyle. This is actually sort of our inaugural episode. Mike Wilson and I, who's the publisher of uh, Fraser Valley Lifestyle, have have done some interviews in the past and posted them on on the website, but this is really our first formal one. And we're really happy to have uh, Rachel Bolangaro. How did I do with your last name there, Rachel? Spot on. (laughs) She's the (laughs) owner of Fraser Valley Cidery. Mike and I have both been out there and Mike you're you're on the line why don't you just comment on your on your visit there before we start asking Rachel some questions sure well uh, first of all welcome everybody and Rachel great to chat with you um, love this I love the diversity of the valley and obviously your cidery is a really cool uh, addition to the all the other wineries that are in the area but my experience that we when we spent some time there was it was very much an outdoors expe- uh, experience which was wonderful and you had a and again, we talked a little bit in the background, but there was a, a cooking going on outside, sort of a, not barbecue, but there was hot plates. And there was some amazing uh, food that was being prepared to go along with the wine. So it was just a great experience. And it's amazing the diversity that we've kind of created in the Valley. And yours is certainly one of those places that offers something a little different. So really enjoyed it and look forward to getting back again this year. Yeah, and seeing some of the changes, I'm sure everything evolves. So I'm sure always changes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So welcome to the program with Rod. As I say, uh, loved visiting with you before, and I'm looking forward to it again. And love to put the word out about your your fine business. Yeah, well, thanks for getting in touch. Uh, Rachel is super busy. They they are officially opening next week. I'll get her to comment on that in a moment and they've actually stopped production for us. So uh, we want to get going here and ask her some questions. We appreciate you taking the time to join us and, oh, and to, to do what you've had to do in order to make this interview possible. So maybe just let's start with your origin story. How did Fraser Valley Cider Company get it started? It sounds like you were had another career before you were doing this. So if yeah. you could just take us back to the beginning, how did you get your start? Yeah, so it was like um, 2013, 2014, and I'd been an engineer for 20 years. And I just suddenly had this epiphany that I had another 20 years to go before I retired. And could I do this for another 20 years? And and I just thought, no, this is not how I want to spend the rest of my life. Sitting at a desk was killing me. Um, the more senior you get in engineering, people only talk to you when there's a problem. And, and so it was just, um, yeah, I just took a week off work, decided what I liked doing and how could I make a second career out of what I liked doing. So um, I lit on cider making. Um, I'd always made my own cider and my own wine. I loved being out in my garden, tending my trees and my plants. And I'd been to a cidery on the island and thought it was just a really cool place to spend some time and realized we had nothing like this on the lower mainland. 
Um, so why didn't I do this? So as a good engineer, I spreadsheeted it and figured it had some <laughs> potential. And so my next step was to take a cider making course at Washington State University. It was a one week course. And I went into this kind of ambivalent, you know, just to try it out, see if it was something for me. And um, I came back at the end of the week, just totally fired up, spent five amazing days with other wannabe cider makers and some really great instructions. And we, we'd made our own batch of cider and we'd walked around the orchard and talked about the trees and worked out how to plan a production facility. And um, so I came home at the end of the week and said to my husband, we need to buy a farm. And he's like, okay, that was a really expensive week. And so we bought our farm in January, 2014, 12 acres, nothing going on on it. Um, we had to clear off the rusty old cars to get going. And we spent the first year just getting to know the land, fencing it, clearing it, grading it. And then in 2015, we put up our side rebuilding and started making all our equipment. And we made our first batches and we opened in May long weekend, 2016. So we've been going for six years now. So, cool. yeah. And our production started off that first year with 8,000 litres and we opened in May and we'd sold everything by October. So we thought, okay, quit messing around, let's go big. And so we did 24,000 litres the next year and we opened in May and sold everything by October. So then we climbed um, next year and next year and this year we'll be doing 80,000 litres and we hope we can make it through the year. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, what a story. And I, I noticed on your website that you have your own orchard now. Is that on the property or is that somewhere yeah. else? Yeah. So we've got like four and a half acres planted at the back of the property. Um, okay. Uh, we've got about 29 different varieties of trees out there and they're all heritage English or French cider trees. Um, and uh, yeah, we've, you know, there's no real literature on what grows well in this area. It's not traditionally a strong apple growing area on the lower mainland and certainly nothing for cider varieties. So we just planted loads and we're seeing what is doing well. And actually this week we've picked up 300 more trees and we'll be planting the area, the remaining area in front of our cidery. And our plan is to bring the orchard right up to the cidery building so that when you're sat enjoying a glass of cider in our picnic area, you're actually sitting in between the trees. And then there'll be little paths between the orchard to go and wander and little clearings to sit in and, and make it more like an organic experience rather than a classic production orchard in straight rows. You know, mm. this is going to be more cool. natural. Oh, that'll be a neat addition to to, yeah. to your location there. Yeah. I know it it seems like it must be it has to be possible because I know that some of the parks that I visit, I think some of the pioneers actually planted some apple trees. Yeah. Like just blocks away from me, there's Old Orchard Park and there's apple trees there. And I think um, at the park in Derby Reach, I think there's some apple trees in in that area too. There but, is. And yeah. actually, um, in 2015, I was actually involved in a survey of the local parks to map all these heritage apple trees. There's, there's hundreds of them in the local parks in Langley. And you can actually see where the old homesteads used to be because the, the trees are growing in rows in the middle of this you know, natural looking park. Oh, yeah. So yeah, and in fact, um, uh, a, a few years ago, we did partner with the Langley Environmental Protection Society and they do a gleaning program where okay. they um, gather apples off untended trees in parks and by the side of the road and stuff. And we made an, uh, um, a cider for them that they sold as a fundraiser and we called it Gleaner's Gold. And it was actually one of our best ciders. It was, it was oh, neat. 
uh, just a mix of all these unlabeled unknown apples and it just turned out really well. That's fantastic. But I know my wife and I have been out there a couple times. One day in particular was just a real magical day. We were able to sit in your in the Adirondack chairs that you have there. Yeah. And you have a view of Baker, which I just love. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. And it's just it's just a great setting that you have there. And it's you have, you have such a great story. I love what you're doing. And there's it's a neat, it's neat what's developing in that area as well. You guys are there, and then there's a number of, of vineyards. I mean, if people want to make it sort of a, a tour for the yeah. day there's there's yeah. some really cool places to to visit you can drink wine and test and have some cider and it's yeah. it's really cool what's developing in that area isn't it it is and you know it's a really lovely community to be part of as well because especially in the early days the wineries were so supportive of us and you know saying to people have you checked out the new cidery you know and um, oh, great we like to return the favor and and send people who have come out to the valley looking for cider to the wineries as well and um a couple of years ago we actually started up a libations tour there's a meadery down the road where they make honey wines right we've been there too yeah yeah, yeah. they have some really interesting uh, wine there as well yeah. yeah exactly and then there's a distillery in in north langley and there was a, a new brewery at that time we've got several excellent breweries now um yeah. but we did a, a tour the four of us and you got your passport stamped and you went to visit all different locations and we had live music and snacks and i think the year before covid we had 500 people come and tour our our four businesses um so it's a really awesome example of the diversity that's there in langley and and like the collaboration between all these family-owned local businesses as well cool both both Mike and I obviously have a bit of an entrepreneurial bent. So I'm always curious, like, what's been your biggest challenge? It sounds like maybe with the biggest challenge is just keeping up with growth. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, and that's a lovely challenge to have, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think I, I think the challenge and I think we've met it is adapting. You know, I always say I have no regrets. I wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, and, uh, but if I'd have known what I was getting into when I started this, I might never have done it because it's, <laughs> it's so overwhelming when you look at it as a whole, but yeah. once you're, once you're kind of like on the back of that tiger, there's no option, but to ride it to the end. Right. And yeah. so going, um, but I think our real strength has been the ability that we're, we're a small individually owned company and we can pivot on a dime and if something's not working for us then we can change and um, we've got some awesome staff as well like especially last year in the middle of covid our staff kind of like knuckled down did jobs they never thought they were gonna have to do worked in a way that was never an option when we started and we had a, a successful year last year as a result of our ability to say, okay, well, we can't do this anymore, but what can we do? And, and we did it and we had a good year. Yeah, like adapting to COVID, right? So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. As, as a business as a whole, you know, you start stuff that think you think is going to be a good idea and, and you think is going to have legs. And then you realize actually that's either way too much work or not what people are interested in. Mm -hmm. And so you can just scrap that plan or change that plan into something that does work. Yeah. <laughs> give, give us an example of something that you scrapped. <laughs> um something that we scrapped um well we used to do a lot of workshops like i i've always been like a hands-on project kind of person we were talking about addictions the other day and i realized my addiction is projects <laughs> and, uh, so i i like 
doing stuff and learning stuff and, and doing new ideas. And so we had a lot of like painting workshops and floral design workshops and cheese making workshops, all stuff that I'm passionately interested in. But we've realized our customers just like to come here and drink and we should just leave them alone and let them. <laughs> They're not, they're not coming for an education or a class necessarily. No, no. I mean, obviously, some people are interested, but on the whole, they'd rather just hang out with their friends on the patio. Yeah, don't bother us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I didn't include this in the questions that I sent you, but this is a question I want to ask for the Fraser Valley Lifestyle blog. And what's, what's one of your favorite things about being in, in the Fraser Valley and doing business in the Fraser Valley? Oh, one of my favorite things. Well, I think just the fact that um, there is such a wealth of talent here, right? Mm. And um, everything about our business from um, the person who built our building to our website designer, to our accountant, to all our staff, it's all Langley based. And we never have to go downtown for anything unless we want. Um, so I love the fact that we've got all these amazing resources here and you can be super successful with the talent in your own back garden and just the sense of community as well. I, I always say that, um, you know, would I have made more money as an engineer? Probably, yes. But would I have had so many cool friends? Absolutely not. Um, I've met so many nice people through this business that started off as customers or business associates and have become friends you know, and just the warm, welcoming nature of the business community here and, and you know, the great support you get from people like Tourism Langley. It, it's a really fun, enjoyable place to work. I love my new life. Excellent. That's so good to hear. There's so many things about that that you just said that I, that I just love. <laughs> great. So what's coming up? Obviously, we talked about... Um, you know, next week is opening week and you're, you're yeah. busy getting, getting ready. Uh, are there any other, are you doing anything special for the opening or are you just yeah. trying to just work out the kinks that day or what, what oh, are the plans? Um, we'll be doing both. Um, okay. So we've got, we've got new staff. We've got four new staff that have been hired because we were so busy last year. We want to um, up our, you know, up our cover, up our level of service, stop staff burnout. So we've got new staff to train. We're busy bottling cider today. We've got new releases coming out, um, new flavors. Um, so Good Friday is our opening day. Um, we're busy hosing off the patio right now. Give that a good clean up, ready to welcome everybody. And um, nothing too much on our opening day. Oh, big news. Um, we've got our lounge license. So I guess something new is that we can now serve wine, beer and Something we're particularly excited about is our cider tails. So we can make cocktails out of cider now. So oh, we cool. had a very enjoyable staff meeting last week where we tested all the recipe ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Another perk of my job. Yeah, testing and tasting must be the yeah. perk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're launching with a, uh, an Easter-themed um, cocktail. Um, we've got, because we're a lounge, um, we've expanded our food menu. So it's still not somewhere you would come for dinner, but we have nice hearty snacks. And I know Mike was saying there was a chef here when he was here last time. Well, it's the same chef, Adrian Beatty. He runs food from the farm and he's preparing all our food for us. Um, so we pick it up from him and then we um, serve it to you guys. And um, we're also having Rocky Point ice cream, which is <laughs> Super exciting for the staff. Um, we're, we might have some left to sell the customers if I can keep them out of the freezer. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then on Easter Sunday, we've got Chef Adrian coming down. He's doing Easter brunch. So he'll have his hot menu from the Chef Shack. 
And we've also got um, Clay coming. He's one of our favorite musicians. So he'll be playing live music on the patio from 12 till three. So just a little great. bit of a celebration to say, welcome back and uh, let's have an awesome summer. Do people have to buy tickets or anything or can they just show up that day? No, it's all first come first served. Um, so um, yeah, you just turn up at the cidery. Um, it's best to avoid if you don't want to wait because we did have some lineups last year. Um, and if it's a hot sunny day, we probably will again. Um, so our busy times are like one till four. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll be open 12 till six and actually on Fridays and Saturdays, 12 till eight. Fantastic. So, yeah. That's great. Great. Yeah. So in on a quick question. Yeah, Sorry. go ahead, Mike, please do. Yeah. Uh, just going back. Do you, when you're doing your, your cider, ciders, is it all like the apples of, that you're using, is it all on site or do you, do you buy it from elsewhere? Like, no, um, we have 2000 trees on site, yeah. um, but on a four and a half acre planting, we can't actually produce enough yeah. fruit to run a commercial style cidery. So we actually have some really good relationships with a couple of farmers in the Okanagan and, and they grow okay. for us. So it's, it's a great win-win proposition. They have a market for their fruit every year. And, you know, because it's going into cider, it doesn't have to be super pretty fruit. Um, yeah. So they can give us all their off-spec fruit as well. Um, and so they love the fact that they have a, a market for their fruit. And we love the fact that we have a reliable source and a farmer that we know and orchards that we've visited um, to provide the apple juice for our cider making. And, and you don't anticipate ever being completely self-sustained. You'll always have the uh, apples coming in from the interior. Uh, yeah. How many trees would you say per year you need to have? Do you, do you ever break it down on a basis of for um, the amount of quantity you want to create? There's an X amount per tree or how does that factor? It, it's normally pounds of fruit. So for one bin of apples. So if you're, you've ever been to like uh, Ralph's Farmer's Market, um and the big bins that the apples come in they're 800 pounds normally and that'll give us 250 liters of cider so right. we need a lot of apples um yeah. you know so we would never be able to produce that all on 12 acres even if it was fully planted and the way we've approached our planting strategy is we've done the first sort of half of the site and we wanted to get some feedback on how those apples grew for us and and what kind of cider they made and then we could make decisions informed decisions about what we wanted to fill the rest of the site with so that's the stage we're at right now picking up the varieties the varietal that yeah. you want yeah oh, interesting. yeah i was curious because of the grapes and obviously the okanagan is a great source of grapes for local wines and so i i wondered about the amount of trees that you need in order to sustain what you're doing so that's great yeah 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 i mean obviously we'll grow as much as we can on site and you know um our cider is full juice so um this is the if you've never had a traditional craft cider before this is the difference between us and like the more commercially available big brands is that there's only has to be five percent juice by law i think and we use a hundred percent apple juice in our cider there's no water there's no additives um, added to that um, and the only thing we might add is some local fruits to give our fruit flavors and uh, botanicals and that kind of thing but it's all natural proper food products there's nothing artificial that goes into them and you I think you can really taste that difference when you try them yeah. no question no question about yeah. that I, I, you get spoiled when you go and have something like you're producing yes you told yeah. you're not going to the you're not going to the other stuff at the liquor store at that stage of the game. You're 
realizing the impurity of it so yeah yeah no i mean um I, we were just at a cider symposium last week actually me and um, four of my staff for the northwest cider association and and we said a big role that the ciders have to play is education because um a lot of people have never had a traditional cider and and they think because they've had something on tap or in a can at a pub that they don't really like cider but there's a whole variety of stuff from like the real niche high-end bottle conditions champagne styles to you know the higher-end craft to to the bulk ciders which are, are not all bad um and you know part of our job as a cider is just to educate our consumers and and let them find out what is available and and they might like something, you know, so. Well, and now you've got your cider cocktails or how, I can't remember the word you use for them. But Cid was, cider tails. Cider tails. Cider That's going to be an interesting addition because I'm yeah. sure there's going to be some great flavors there too. Yeah, yeah. And it's exciting because we can partner with Roots and Wings Distillery. They're providing all our spirits. We're keeping it again super local, you know, so anything we can buy in the local community, we will do. Great. Well, I hope you have a great summer. I hope it's a great season for everybody. Yeah, how can it not be with cider tails? <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but I'll have to come down and inspect. I'll have to, make sure, I'll have to taste those to make sure they're yeah. safe for the local community. But there you go. That's good for you, Mike. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good place to wrap up. We need to let Rachel go. They have stopped production for us to do this interview. So we've been uh, talking with Rachel Bolingaro from Fraser Valley Cider Company. And they're located at 221-28 16th Avenue in Langley. We'll put these details in the show notes if you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you might be listening to this podcast right now or on YouTube. And uh, their website is FraserValleyCider.ca. And again, you can tell that Mike and I are really uh, excited about Fraser Valley cider company and we highly recommend that you you head out there sometime it's just a fact their cider is great and it's a great location and uh thanks again rachel we really appreciate you welcome. taking the time you're yeah. very welcome i will get back to my bottling machine thanks guys thanks okay. for you yeah take care bye-bye bye thank you for listening to the fvlifestyle.com podcast for notes from this episode articles on what's happening in the fraser valley and more please visit us at fvlifestyle.com that's fvlifestyle.com. Talk to you soon.